listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm Mike Gaston. I'm your host. Glad to have you guys along. This is episode number 121 of the podcast. It is September 18th, a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, Mrs. G and I tried to get to the beach today, and uh, I'm traveling this week. So we thought, you know what? It's Sunday. Let's get out to the beach for a little bit uh, just to take in some rest and relaxation before a busy week starts. And <laughs> got in the car. Beautiful. It was sunny. It was warm. It's like, oh, it's going to be great. Got all the stuff, the beach chairs, the bag filled with books and water and a couple snacks, some sunscreen and all that jazz. We got out to the beach. Beautiful. And as you, we went to Sullivan's Island. And as you... Uh, Approach Sullivan's Island, you'll find a place to park, and there are all these kind of entrances into the beach, but it's a bit of a walk. There's usually a boardwalk and some pathways that you have to go through, often some brush. You can't see the ocean from where you're parking. So you park, you go into one of these entrances. We went into number 26. Um, You walk this boardwalk, you're going through some vegetation, and you've got the dunes up and down. You crest the final dune as you're about to kind of summit that dune and behold the vista of the beach and we we got right to the top of that dune we crested that dune and the it was just beautiful i mean the beach was relatively sparse uh the water there was a real stiff breeze and the water was really choppy it was uh high tide was coming in so it wasn't quite high tide but the water was coming in so this nice action in waves the water was dark and moody and the sky was like cloudy but bright around us but just off in the distance was this black wall you could just see this storm not far off and you could see the rain coming down in the storm these like this dark you know just dark smudge from the clouds to to the ocean and I'm looking at the wind and I'm looking at the direction of these clouds and I'm and I'm thinking we're going to get rained on. Now we checked the weather, of course, and uh, it said everything was going to be fine. But that's what you get when you live at the ocean. So we we got we got in there. Uh, there was a f- young family leaving. He's like, yeah, he goes, I think it's just going to sprinkle for a little bit, but we're going to get the kids and go home. So I thought, well, you know what, we'll ride it out. I didn't even bother looking at my weather app. We set up our chairs. I, I went out into the water for a few. I always like to get in the water for a minute or two. Then I came back, put some sunscreen on, and I'm like saying to Lydia, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, it looks pretty rough. Well, within a matter of minutes, it started sprinkling, and then it started raining. I've been raining really hard. So I pulled out my phone and took a look. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you got rain for the next two hours. So we stood there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> I think both of us just felt like we made this effort to get to the beach. We can't just turn around defeated, but uh, we packed up. I didn't even put my shirt back on. We just packed up our stuff and barefooted it out of there to the car, uh, threw a towel around my shoulders and drove drove home. We stopped and grabbed, uh, I, I grabbed a beer and some wings and sat outside. I mean, it was fine, but... Um, but the funny thing about it is I, I have to admit, it was still relaxing. Like even the drive to the beach made me happy. And uh, so I don't want to sound uh, like, a, like I'm not grateful, very grateful, actually. But it was just kind of a funny episode. You know, we chewed up an hour of our time and we're probably on the beach for about 15 minutes. Uh, somehow that math doesn't work. But in the end, I still feel like we're winning. So, uh, so that was my day. I'm here behind the mic. I want to talk today about creativity. Um, I've been working on an essay on creativity. I've been doing 
a little email series on creativity. If you're not on my email list, my newsletter, you need to get on it. Uh, you can just go to pages.mikegaston.com. Pages, P-A-G-E-S, pages, plural, dot mikegaston.com. And uh, you can sign up for the email. It's free. But I've been doing this series on creativity. Now, I wrote uh, what will be a published article or essay at some point. I've got about 10,000 words I wrote. And essentially, I'm just breaking out my whole creative process and unpacking some of the aspects to creativity that I've discovered through the years and, and as I've focused on it more recently, uh, just in an effort to help other people try to find their way, because it's not that easy. Uh, creativity is, a, is an interesting thing. It's not that easy. And, and I want to talk a little bit today about creativity and, and, and a specific aspect of it. Now, what's interesting about creativity is when you talk to most people, if you talk to most people, you would say, are you, you know, do you consider yourself creative? Are you creative? No, not really. Most people don't think of themselves as creative. And when you press them a little bit and ask them, well, what in your mind, you know, is creativity? What, who, who are, what kinds of people or who's creative? They'll inevitably go to things like artists, you know, painters, musicians, poets, uh, dancers, uh, filmmakers. Yeah, they'll they'll talk about pop stars and uh, performers and entertainers. They often go to quote unquote the arts, if you will, both classic and popular. And there's an aspect of that is understandable, but, but, but that's actually a flawed understanding of creativity. And I don't think a lot of people sit around thinking about what is creativity and am I creative? People either identify, they self-identify as creative or they don't. Now, when I was a young kid, I loved to, to draw. I did a lot of, you know, sketches and drawings, drawings. Um, and, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I draw, you know, nature scenes, birds, you know, different things. And I, I was pretty good. Like as a kid, I was, I had a pretty good uh, ability to sketch. And, you know, I got into high school and took art classes, always excelled, always enjoyed art. Um, when I was in college, I, I minored in graphic design. So I took uh, some fine art classes and some design classes and I en enjoyed them. Uh, but I thought of myself as a young kid, as a creative person. I thought of creativity. I was fascinated by by aesthetic beauty, colors, scenes, um, you know, wells of emotion that are created by a, a scene, by the way. You know, you're, you're driving and you see this uh, field of, of tall grass or wheat that's been drying as fall starts to set in and you've got a sunset happening and there's all these beautiful colors and any, any human being really responds to that emotionally. But I I, I love that. I wanted to capture those moments somehow. And uh, I wanted to, to immerse myself in them. I wanted to recreate them somehow or articulate these feelings that I had when I, you know, saw something. Wanted to be able to, to, to be inventive and creative and come up with n new ideas and drawings and artwork and so on. But as life progressed, I found myself pulled, drawn um, into, you know, more and more of the things that you and I would call responsible adulthood. I had to make a living. I had to pay for an apartment and, and maybe a vehicle, food to put in my little refrigerator when I was a single guy. Then I had to, you know, I, I took on 
a, a spouse, a wonderful thing. I got married, you know, so we started a family. So all of a sudden there's this need to care for more people and, and to work harder. And, and career-wise, it didn't even occur to me as an adult that, that um, you know, maybe I, I could make a living as a creative person. And what I mean by that is, you know, someone that did artwork. So, so a lot of my artwork kind of went by the wayside. Now, I never lost my desire for, uh, for engaging and, and consuming and wanting to produce things that were beautiful. I, I, I loved, I continued to love to read. I love literature and fiction and stories and so on. So I, I just, you know, when we were young, I would immerse myself in those. I liked graphic novels. I never got into the whole nerd world of comic books and all that. But as I got older, graphic novels were fascinating to me. Um, those of you that don't know what a graphic novel is, it's not graphic in the sense that it's violent or visceral. It's graphic because it's illustrated. It's a novel. Uh, but it's told visually. It's like a it's like a big fat comic book, uh, and they tend to be a little bit more gritty, a little bit more serious. They tend to, not always. And I was into the whole music scene. I was into the computer creative world where computers were just starting to become a thing, and you could create artwork. Usually, this was bit art. It was you know these raster art. You'd sit there with little pixels and build beautiful pictures of pixelated waterfalls and nature scenes and spaceships and all this stuff. I like to write. I fancied myself that someday I might write a great novel or something. And I, you know, had a little word processor and I pecked away at a novel or two, uh, never, never produced anything, never put anything out there. I, I wrote a few articles for small newspapers, you know, that type of thing. But, but I, I had this creative urge but I stopped over time thinking of myself as creative because of the work that I was doing. I was getting pulled into things like, you know, low-level management as a young guy, getting into sales, into some marketing, you know, and you just start to build a career in, in, in the corporate world. And um, over time, the cares of this life tend to drown out, drown out, drown out, drowned or drown this is the weird thing at my age. I should know these words. I say drowned out. I think that's right. Anyway, uh, but then it doesn't, you ever say a word and it just doesn't sound right to you? And you're like, I don't know. It's a word I've said for, for 50 years. I, I don't know why I'm questioning it. But the cares of this world and the responsibilities of this world and the work that I was required to do, which I was glad to do, began to kind of dull that sense that I was a creative person. So on the side, I might read books on paper making, book binding, the history of, uh, you know, font making, typo typography, and, and not just digital, but like how did they hand carve these, these steel punches that would eventually become fonts that would be used to set type, that would be used to create books. And, you know, I was just into the whole like book arts world. I, I fancied someday, wouldn't it be amazing to set the Bible, like break all the books of the Bible down and then each book have its own book or maybe combine some of the smaller ones into a collection and hand set the type and hand print them like these beautifully, you know, handmade paper, handmade type, hand printed, hand bound, like these really high end works of art. Like I, I had a, a desire for beautiful things. Uh, but as I moved through my 20s and into my 30s and through my 30s and in my 30s, you know, purchased a business, funny enough, a design business of all things. And you would think owning a design business would make me feel more creative, but actually it made a greater gulf 
between my sense of creativity and, and who I was, my sense of myself and, and creativity. And why is that? Well, when I bought the company, I was a sales and marketing guy and an entrepreneur and a business guy. And here was this team of people in the business that were true creatives. The company's name was Bob Wright Creative. And the company did illustration work and design work and branding work and uh, marketing collateral. And so I come in there and, and all of a sudden I'm working with uh, these people who have made their living doing quote unquote creative things. And, and I was the suit. It was my job to go sell. It was my job to make sure that there was cash flow. It was my job to make sure that the company was healthy, that it was being represented, that contracts were being observed and that new clients were coming in the door and that we were able to thrive and survive in a cutthroat competitive marketplace. One, I may add, uh, that was economically dying. That's in the Rochester, New York area. I mean, we, you know, n nothing against Rochester, but not not ground zero when it comes to dynamism and uh, and business health. So, I found myself feeling less and less creative. In fact, I'd sit in some of these meetings and um, and and let's say we were brainstorming on a new name for a product or a business or whatever. And I love to take part in those things. I like to come up with ideas. I like to be part of that brainstorming. But, but I could tell there was a divide there and there was almost, I don't want to say a hostility because my team was a lovely group of people. I mean, they were a wonderful group of people. And, um, but there was this kind of vibe like, you know, you're a suit, like you're not one of us. I don't think anybody wanted me to feel that way. Uh, there may have been an individual or two who maybe took a little umbrage to the fact that the boss is in here trying to pretend that he's creative just like us. And I tried to be sensitive of that. I, I never wanted to like impose myself like, well, I'm the owner, so I'm going to come in here and look at how great my ideas are. But I like to take part in the, in the ideating, the thinking, the trying to understand something, the trying to come up with ideas. I was very careful, and I'm sure I did it at times, I was very careful to, tr to, to avoid playing art director. You know, a designer does some work and I come in and say, well, I see that you use blue, but I really think you ought to use green. I would from time to time have to advocate like, hey, the client's problem or challenge is they're trying to drive sales. And so I know this piece of work that you're working on is beautiful, but I'm not understanding how this piece of work drives sales. See right there, that's a very business thing to say to a quote unquote creative person. And uh, so I, I, I would interject in those ways, but I tried to avoid the, um, you know, tweaking the, the design work, tweaking the creative. I left that to the creative team and I had a wonderful man, uh, Phil, Phil Dagger, who became our uh, creative director and vice president of the company. And he was just so skilled, so insightful, so wise with that kind of stuff. It's, the business didn't need me to do that. But if we're in a meeting and we're trying to come up with a name for a company, I love doing that. And quite frankly, I, I have a knack for that kind of thing. But in that circumstance, surrounded by a bunch of designers and artists and creative types, there was a little bit of a vibe. And now, now some of that vibe may, may have been my own insecurity. So I'm not, again, I'm not pointing at anybody. But I'm just saying there's a little bit of a vibe like, you're a suit. Now, that might have been a voice in my own head. It may have been kind of a feeling in the room. I can't tell you one way or the other, but it was there. And so as I progressed, I lost this sense of being a creative person. Now, fast forward, I shut that business down, went out into consulting on my own, and have been doing that now for well over six years. 
and uh, maybe it's been seven, I think it's six, six years. And I've been on a journey, a creative journey. And I've been in this process of discovery because part of consulting, I think good consulting requires creativity. Now, it depends on what kind of consulting you're doing. It depends on what area of consulting you're focused on. If you're like a um, process engineer and you're a consultant bring, being brought in to just make a process more efficient or so on, uh, you might think, well, that doesn't require a lot of creativity. And, you know, and, and I could argue that it does, but, that, but that's beside the point. But the kind of stuff that I'm doing, I'm doing branding work. I'm doing brand strategy. I'm doing you know, product naming and positioning and managing projects where we're building brand assets for a product line. We're building websites and video, we're creating videos. A lot of you know that I have a YouTube channel. Not that that's super creative, but it's an element of creative expression. And I'm doing a lot more writing than I used to do. I'm doing a lot more kind of creative work. And, and in that, I've been going a little deeper and trying to understand what is creativity? How does the creative act happen? And you know what's what's the process, and how can I become better at creativity? So all that to say, what is creativity? What is creativity? And I open the saying, well, you may think it's you know artists, it, you may think it's you know poets and all this kind of stuff, but to get at the idea of creativity, all you have to really do is look at the word creativity, creative, and look at the root. What is the root of creativity or creative? And if you're, if you're asking yourself, am I creative, you have to understand what the root create means. Now, a lot of us are accountants and homemakers and factory workers and managers and sales reps and developers and, uh, you know, side hustlers trying to get a business going. And the list goes on and on and on. And, and a lot of us don't feel creative. But if you look at the root of the word creative, you look at the word create, the word create simply means to bring something into existence, to bring something into existence. This is so important for you and for I to understand because being creative, and I'm going to argue this till I'm dead, blue in the face, as they say. Being creative is an integral part of being human. You and I as human beings are designed to be creative. We are designed to be creative, to create. We are designed to create. That means that as human beings, we are designed to bring something or things into existence. It's part of our nature. It's, it's part of our nature. And because of this, and, I, you know, and we can unpack this in subsequent discussions, uh, I'm working on unpacking this in my newsletter. Again, please sign up, pages.mikegaston.com. But, but because it is part of our nature, it's important that we participate in the creative act to be able to find fulfillment and meaning. You, you're not going to find meaning in your life, and you are not going to find fulfillment unless you are participating in creativity, which means unless you are bringing something into existence. So when you understand creative, the word create to mean, which is a verb, create is a verb, which means to bring something into existence, 
Then when you look at the word creativity or creative, to be creative is a noun. It's the state of being able, the state of bringing something into existence. It's very simple. And when you, when you understand creativity to mean this state of being able to bring something into existence, then you understand that, yes, you, my friend, my dear listener, and I are creative entities. We're creative. Now, we, we, we face a problem in this world. We'll get to that just now. But, but we are creative beings. I don't care if you're, if you're making, you know, I joked in the email, if you're making a tuna casserole uh, or, you're, or you're putting together a symphony, you know, you're, you're writing a symphony. Those are both creative acts. You're bringing something into existence. There's something that didn't exist before and you're bringing it into existence. Now, I'm not going to argue that those two things are equal. They're not necessarily equal. And some of that is a little subjective. Uh, you know, you're out all day working so hard. You've not had a thing to eat. You're famished. You're exhausted. Low blood sugar. You're hangry. You come home and your spouse or your roommate or your friend or whoever has made some food for you, they brought food into existence, a dish. Oh my goodness. I mean, you want that more than you want to listen to Brahms, a symphony by Brahms. I mean, you, you want the food. It means so much in that moment. But in the grand scope of the human experience, obviously the work of Brahms is more important. Both creative acts both maybe judged subjectively in some ways, but ultimately one probably more valuable than the other. Now, for us to find meaning and fulfillment doesn't mean that we have to do work on the level of Brahms or Shakespeare. But we have to start to understand that we are creative beings, every single one of us. Now, what I'm not saying is everybody gets a gold star. This is not an Oprah moment where, you know, you win a car and you win a car. This isn't that you're all creative, so just pat yourselves in the back. This isn't a feel-good moment. This, this is more about understanding the necessity of being creative. You are designed this way by God. If you're, if you're a secularist and, and you don't believe in God, then you just need to get there another way. But, but you're designed to be creative. Now, for the Christian, the creativity, God is the ultimate creator. And so being made in his image means that we bear that likeness to him. We bear this creative genius, each and every single one of us, this ability to bring things into existence. God being the ultimate creator brought everything, the whole material, cosmos, universe, et cetera, into existence. Uh, what, what he did was kind of cool. He did it out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. You and I don't have that power, regardless of what the new age uh, folks tell us. You can, you can, you know, you, you can materialize your own truth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There, Sally, I appreciate the, appreciate the help. I'll just sit here and think good thoughts and hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully those 87,000 IRS agents will agree with me and let me keep all that wealth that I just, you know, um, imagine into existence. But, but the human being 
is designed. You and I are designed to be creative. We need to create. We need to bring things into existence. Now, here's one of the reasons I think that we don't think of ourselves as creative. I shared a little bit about my kind of pathway in the past and how I've been thinking differently about myself and why. But, you know, I think one of the things about our culture that we get confused, so, so we, on one hand, confuse creativity with art, artistic work. There is something creative about that work. I don't want to, I'm not trying to take anything away from that. Although you can do artistic, quote unquote, art, whatever, uncreatively, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but there's this idea of spectacle in our culture, we don't use the word spectacle, but we, for some reason in this culture, and it might be an interesting thing to pursue at some point, we confuse spectacle with cult, with uh, creativity. We look at people like the Lady Gagas of the world, the Nicki Minaj is of the world. Uh, we look at these kind of, you know, ridiculous artworks. Uh, I'm not so big on modern art, but, you know, there's some names out there. You know, you, you, you've seen these like giant um, metallic balloon sculptures. They, they look like a giant metallic balloon, like a clown would do a balloon. Um, let me look up. Bear with me. Typing away here. Balloon sculpture. And yeah, artist. What are balloon artists called? Well, that's, I think they're called clowns. Um, it's Jeff Koons. Apologies. Yeah, so you may have heard of Jeff Koons. You can look him up. Um, but like he sold a balloon dog. It's just, you know, it's, it looks like a clown did a balloon dog, but it's, but it's huge. Uh, it's, it's bigger than a human being. And he sold it. Um, for $58.4 million, uh, most expensive artwork by a living artist sold at auction for five years. That was back in uh, 2013, I want to say, sold it. So you get these artists that do things that are spectacular, spectacle. You know, you look at like um, some of the Super Bowl halftime shows. Now they get dinged for not being creative enough, but they're giant spectacles. There's something about our culture where we love spectacle and we tend to conflate or confuse spectacle with creativity. And quite frankly, spectacle isn't necessarily creative. It's not necessarily bringing something into existence. It's just something over the top. And you see it in our, our popular culture. You see it in our movies. We have these amazing abilities with special effects. And so we do these like ridiculous movies that'll blow your mind, but they're not necessarily creative. And as a matter of fact, we become bored. People pan them. It was like the sound effects and the visual effects were nuts, just off the chain. And at the same time, we're all just like, eh, you know, it wasn't that good. I mean, it was just kind of, it was so-so. If you've seen this movie, you know, I've seen 10 other movies just like this one. There's nothing really new about it. It's just the same old thing um, trying, to, trying to wow everybody. It's just a little side comment there, but I think that we confuse creativity with spectacle, and we also confuse creativity with being artistic. The fact of the matter is that if you bring something into existence, you are a creative person. And I think that to find fulfillment, to find meaning, uh, you need to be creative. You and I need to be creative because that is what it it's part of our human nature. Now, why is this important? I mean, besides the fact that we all want to find meaning and be fulfilled, 
I think we need to be cognizant of this uh, because of the nature of our culture right now. And this this aspect of s- spectacle probably ties into this, but but in our culture, we do not think of ourselves as creative. We we think of ourselves truly as consumers. We are told that we are consumers. We are encouraged to be consumers. We are inured to consumption. Everything about our life is consumption oriented. And this means that you know when, when you bring something into existence, when you create something, when you make something new, you're, you're somehow taking a part of yourself, maybe some other things, bringing them together and giving the world something new. You've, you, something has come out of you into the world. This could be an idea, a strategy, a piece of furniture that you made, uh, uh, the tuna casserole that I talk about. It could be a piece of music. It could be some literature. It could be an article. It could be a video, a podcast. Uh, it could be a human being. You know, the Couples come together and they create. Uh, that's the amazing power of the human being at our most primal. We're designed to do this. We create, it could be that you've created a friendship, something, a relationship that did not exist before. How'd that happen? Well, I was at the supermarket. I saw this guy, he was buying something. So I made a kind of a joke. He kind of laughed. We just got talking. He, he, he admired my, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the gun I had, you know, I'm open carry state. I'm just a little, I'm scrambling here. This has never happened. You know, we started talking, Hey, we should go shooting at the range sometime. Next thing you know, I got a buddy, you know, it's a relationship. We create all kinds of things, but when we create them, there's something that comes from out of us and we bring it into the world. There's something that we've, that we've given the world. In consumption, we are taking from the world and ingesting it, bringing it into us. You consume food. It's on a plate. You consume it. We consume media and entertainment and music and literature and art and and pleasure and all these things is it's consumptive. Now there's nothing wrong with consumption. I don't want you to hear me down on consumption. You have to consume. You have to consume to live. You, you cannot, you know, there's, there's, I don't even know if it's true, but there are people that claim that they, they just live off of light. They don't need to eat. You know, they just, they just, and even if that were true, even if that were true, they're making the claim that they can live by consuming light, light energy. It's BS. I, 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 you know, this is not true, but obviously even that, that silly claim that I don't need any food, which is kind of a claim like I don't consume, you know, I don't, you're still consuming light. You're taking it into you. But the whole consumption model is this idea of taking it in. Now you might say, oh, Mike, you're over, you're overstating this whole consumption thing. And, you know, you always like to get on this. Well, it's true. I mean, if you look at the society that we're in, we are defined as consumers. They talk about all the time, consumer confidence. We talk about the economy. Oh my gosh, the American economy is in trouble. Well, how do we, what's our patriotic duty, according to George uh, W. Bush? No, you got to consume. In fact, we're going to give you two grand, take that two grand, that check from the U.S. government and get out there and spend it because that's what you need to do to get the economy. It's your patriotic duty. Go consume. Enjoy yourself. If you go out and you spend money on something, a television, maybe uh, season tickets to the Knicks, you know, whatever you want so you can enjoy yourself, that's what you got to do. Get the latest iPhone, you know, buy a computer, buy a television, 
you know, sign up for Netflix, consume, consume, consume. It's your duty. It's your God-given right as an American and as a Westerner, really. But this whole idea that you are a consumer, it's a way of being. It's not just that, yeah, we all consume. I, I, I want to eat. And when I eat, I want to eat something nice if I can. I like to enjoy a good glass of wine if I, I like to consume it. How does it taste? Where is it from? How does it pair with the food we're eating? You know, it's even better if I can enjoy it with friends. It's like, wow, this is just very nice. It's an enjoyable opportunity here. This is an opportunity of consumption. I'm consuming good friendship. I'm consuming good wine. I'm consuming the ambiance. I'm consuming the special time together. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But when you start to define yourself as a consumer, as a consumptive entity, you actually start to dehumanize yourself. What do we call someone that eats too much? Just somebody that doesn't know how to stop eating. Call him a pig. In fact, we laugh. It's like, oh, I pigged out. Oh, I ate too much. I, oh, we got together. We went over here for burgers and we pigged out. That's what we call it. We call it pigging out. Why is that? Because we associate with, we associate overconsumption with being a pig, a non-human, this animal that just is filthy and gobbles up everything and crafts everywhere and wallows in mud. Now, I'm not saying, you know, look, I'm not trying to say, and, and thus, theologically, I'm proving to you that if you overconsume, you are a pig. The Bible says, I'm not saying that. But, but I think, I mean, Scripture does teach moderation and self-control and temperance. You know, somebody that overconsumes alcohol has a problem. Now, if you're out with your friends and you have a couple drinks too many, you get a little stupid, there's no, okay, you did something stupid. When that becomes a habit, when that becomes a goal, when that becomes who you are, everybody in society says something is wrong here. This person, you know, we call those people alcoholics. And it becomes, it becomes bondage. It becomes gripping. It can destroy lives and families. I mean, alcohol is so destructive. Why? It's a drug. Well, yeah, but overconsumption in any area of life, whether it's sex, whether it's food, whether it's entertainment, any of those things being overconsumptive is destructive. It's dehumanizing. It strips us of our glory and our potential and our, and our, and our fulfillment. But we live in a society that orients us towards consumption that orients us towards pleasure, that orients us towards taking into us unquestionably. There's no question. It's just you, the more is better. How dare anyone these days say, you ought to stop, put the fork down. And we get into this whole thing. I mean, I'm picking on, and I'm overweight. I mean, I, I'm carrying a few extra pounds. I've trimmed down a little bit since we've moved south. But, you know, uh, and I think the, the main reason is I'm just able to be more active. Back in the north, I, I spent practically six months indoors. Uh, you get cold and depressed. You eat too much out of boredom and, and depression and so on. And, you know, it's just I've just been able to be more active here. The sun's out more and, and heck, you can. I mean, I was, I was able even not that you lose weight doing this, but I ride my motorcycle January, February, March, not every single day, mind you. But there were 70 degree days uh, throughout those months and you can just stay active working in the garden and so on. So this matters, this consumption matters because consumption and creation are kind of, I, I don't want to say diametrically opposed. They're not. You need to consume in order to be able to create. 
So I don't want to say they're diametric, diametrically opposed, but there is an aspect of consumption that when consumption becomes the focal point, it's out of order. And what ends up happening is you don't create. You know, when you're consuming all the time, you are not creating. You're not bringing anything into existence. This is why video games, I mean, yeah, I understand it's entertainment. I get it. But I think video games are so destructive. Yes, there's, you know, some are violent and some are crude and some are, you know, they've got bad values. And so kids are getting themselves in a bad way because they're, they're pretending to be gangbangers and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's terrible. That's just like the defilement of culture, you know, make everything as common and crappy as you possibly can. There's a lot to, you know, um, inveigh against there. But the, you may hear every once in a while the dog growling in the background. She's frustrated. Lydia's outside. I've closed my door so I can keep recording and she's not, she's not happy to be left out of the fun. The real problem is the way that these video games strip you of your creativity. They strip you of being creative. You are not bringing anything new into existence. You are just playing your life away. You are consuming entertainment. Yes, you're solving riddles. And yes, you are overcoming obstacles. And yes, you're you know, beating a boss. And yes, you're getting hand-eye coordination skills. But all that to nothing. You are impotent. You have no potency. And so a life dedicated to consumption is a life of never bringing anything new into existence. So I know I'm picking on culture. I know I'm picking on video games. There's so many other things we could talk about social media. I mean, there's, you know, yes, when you tweet something, you've brought a tweet into existence. Congratulations. But this goes back to that comment of not all creative acts are equal, and so when you make that tuna casserole, that's a wonderful thing. It's temporary. It's wonderful. It's nourishing. It shows love. It facilitates time around a table and relationship and human, human, you know, uh, for fulfillment, flourishing, human flourishing. That's a good thing. Tweeting, maybe. I mean, if you're spending your day on social media, consuming a lot of outrage, spending a lot of time hearing about the latest news article that's so upsetting, and did you know that this happened? Did you see that that happened? You're just spending your time consuming these things that create emotions in you, but you are not bringing anything new into the world. And I believe that you and I need this opportunity to bring things into the world, to create something new. We need to do this on a regular basis. So here's my, here's my challenge to all of us here, but all of you, my listeners, my friends, my family, my community. Think about who you are. What are the things that you like to do? What are you good at? Do you like to cook? Do you like to write? Do you like to sing? Do you like to study? Do you like to solve problems? You know, what are, what are you good at? Like, what kind of things do you do at work? What, like, where are you good? What don't you like? You don't have to do anything so special that all of us stand and take notice and go, my goodness, you've changed the face of human society. Uh, congratulations. You know, <laughs> I, I think we all just need to be cognizant of how much we are consuming versus how much we are creating. We are living in a world that eschews creation. It, it embraces spectacle. It embraces celebrity. 
but tells the rest of us, no, no, you're, you could never be that. You could never be that. Just enjoy yourself. Let the experts take care of the creativity. Let the, let, you, you be a spectator. We'll create the spectacle. You become the spectator. You watch the football game on television. You enjoy the MTV awards. You watch the YouTube videos. You watch the cooking shows. Like You just sit and take it all in. We'll entertain you. We will titillate you. We will enter, uh, make, you know, give you some good feelings here and there. We will give you meaning. The meaning will be what you consume next. And we'll take care of the creating piece. In fact, you know, if, you, if you think I'm overstating it, look at our society's attitude towards children. Like how many people these days have the attitude that actually children are a burden? Yeah, they're a burden because they're work. It's work to actually bring someone into this world and care for them. Yes, that's a burden. It's hard work to raise children. Very easy to make them, I want to tell you, from personal experience. But uh, for most people, I, that's a joke. I know some people struggle to, to be able to uh, have a child. But pretty easy to make a kid. Uh, that's why there's billions of people in this world. But hard to raise a child. So, yeah, it's a burden. Boo-hoo. Whoever said that life was supposed to be easy? And whoever said life was supposed to be all about you? You see, this is the thing with a consumptive society, a society that's focused solely on consumption. All that is focused on is you. When you're consuming, you're bringing things into you. You're surveying the world around you, and you're wanting to find ways to bring that world into you. The food, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the music, the entertainment, the good times, the feelings. That's consumption. Creating is saying, how do I bring something out of me into the world? That's harder work. That's hard to do, but that's important. It's important for the world. God made you a special way. He gave you gifts and strengths and qualities that no one else has. The combination of you is unique in this world of billions and billions and billions of people. The world needs you to bring who you are to it. I know that sounds kind of woo-woo and gushy-gushy, but it's the truth. God made you unique, and, and your obligation is to bring who you are to the table. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, the world that you live in, your neighborhood needs you. And it needs you to create in a spirit of generosity, a spirit of giving, to bring who you are to the table and to give of yourself into the world. It could be kindness. That's a creative act. Kindness can be a creative act. But it can be as simple as just coming up with new ideas or writing a blog post or making your, fa your signature dish. Uh, you know, my, my one son, um, actually both sons over time, but my one son started this Taco Tuesday thing. He just, he created an event. He liked his friends. He wanted to bring them together. He liked to cook. So he, he got the whole system figured out, but they do Taco Tuesday. It was pretty off the hook. And then he moved and my second, my other son, Zachary, took over. He and his wife took over and did Taco Tuesday for quite a while. They created something. They made a place for people and an opportunity for relationships to happen. Friendships, bonds, depth, community. They created something over food.
our world has become very self-centered. We're very self-centered. I, I don't think I have to back that up with any data points. I think anecdotally and just experientially, we all understand that. We're all part of that too. We're part of it. You and I and everybody else around us, we are a self-centered people. And I think part of it is because we're so consumptive, con consumption-focused. It's what can I bring into me? And we are less focused on what can I give out of me? This is why we are so hostile to having children. Yeah, children, it's a sacrifice. It's hard work. Well, that's creativity. Any creative act takes an effort. Any creative act, you have to sit and choose and say, well, I'm not going to do these other things. I'm going to focus on this. It takes work to even come up with an idea, to come up with a solution. Now I go back to my consulting work. So I you know, ran this agency for Bob Wright Creative. Now I'm doing consulting and brand and marketing work. It's actually very creative work because I have to create solutions. I have to sit with problems that clients are having and they can be very sophisticated problems. They can be very simple problems. And I've got to sit and, and, and get my arms around it and learn as much as I can and get some background and bring my expertise and my experience to the table and come up with a solution that gets them to a better place. That takes an element of creativity. I have to bring something into existence that did not exist before, a, a, a solution, a strategy, a new way forward, a plan. Those take creativity on some level. Not as important as Shakespeare, not even close, but important enough that it allows me to feed the family. And really the family is Lydia and I and the dogs, dog and cat. <laughs> Kids are all grown up. Uh, so they're, they're, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm carrying a bunch of people on my shoulders, uh, at least not financially like the old days when we were younger. So I want to go back and just, I was saying this a moment ago, I want to encourage you, think about your life. You know, if you want to find more meaning, if you want to find more fulfillment, you have to come to terms with the fact that God created you to be creative. He made you to create it's part of every human being's nature. Now, every human being is not going to be able to do the work of Shakespeare. I'm not, I'm not capable of Shakespeare-level work. Maybe somebody in this listening audience is, but I'm not. And I would suspect the majority of our society is not capable of that. But that said, you are capable of some beautiful work. I know it. I know it. And so you got to start somewhere. You know, create, creating has to start somewhere. And I'm going to be doing, like I said, if you haven't done so already, sign up for it. Uh, at some point in my newsletter, just go to my website as well. Just go to mygaston.com. There's a sign up uh, box right there on the homepage. But I'm going to be unpacking this more. There's a lot to this. I know we're just kind of touching it in this one discussion here. And, and I'll come back to this theme, uh, I'm sure, over and over again. But the creative process is challenging and so on. And there's an opportunity to grow. There are ways to get into more deeper, more meaningful, more valuable creative work. You don't have to start there. Don't worry about being Shakespeare on day one. Don't worry about creating something beautiful. Don't let perfectionism or even a sense that you're no good and you can't do anything get in the way. You just start somewhere. You look at my first YouTube videos. They're horrible. I look like a deer in the headlights. I'm awkward. I'm staring at the screen. You know, the audio's bad. Not that I still have to do some work. This this new studio since we moved into Charleston, I, I'm not. I've got some work to do on my audio, but you know, I'm like, it's just like really awkward. I watch those and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so bad. 
But I started somewhere. You start somewhere, you put that work out there, you bring it into the world, you put it out there, and then you keep doing, you get better and better. And I'm kind of happy. I mean, I, I, I want I, I want to take my my work to a whole nother level. And, and I know what that kind of looks like. So that's going to be a challenge to get there. But I, I can see a huge progression in my video work from where I started to where I'm at now. And I think the same would be true for anybody. Uh, maybe you want to become better at making your own food. I mean, the act of making your own food, let's say you've got a family and you decide, I just want to cook more for the family. Like we never eat together. I mean, this is again, this is the consumption society. We're just rushing to things. We got to work, 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 busy, busy, sports, sports, sports. We're just busy in all these things. We're, we're in our homes. We're not together. We're on our different devices, watching different things, listening to different things, et cetera, et cetera. If you spend some time just to make a meal once a week, something, let's say you've never done that before, just that the, the work of making that meal, first of all, is a lot. There's a lot to it. It doesn't have to be hard, but I understand it's like intimidating at first. You bring everybody to the table together. You've created not just a meal, but you've created an opportunity to be a family together, something that you and your family members will take with them for the rest of their lives. The simple act of making a meal. And that's why that's why I'm I was joking about the tuna casserole. Yeah, it's not it's not sonata level creativity, but but there's something deep about that very basic human thing of making a meal together that can be shared. And so I just want to encourage you, start somewhere. Find something that you care about, that you're interested in, and make something. Make music, write, a, write a, a small blog post, make your own wine, you know, find a little hobby, make something, come up with ideas, collaborate with people on a, on a maybe you've had this idea of a product you've wanted to chase. Get together with some people and start collaborating, start making something and start simple if you need to. Start simple. Be creative. You will find more meaning in your life and fulfillment because it's how God designed you to be. Guys, I'd like to know, you know, do you have a thing that you like to do? What do you like to create? And in, in listening to this, you know, email me. Hit me at mike at mikegaston.com. Let me know. Did you think of yourself as a creative person at the beginning of this episode? And what do you think now? And if I didn't convince you that, that you are creative or that creativity is part of the human uh, uh, beings experience and nature, you know, argue back. I, I, I love to hear. I just want to know coming into this, did you think of yourself as creative? And if so, why, if not, why? And did this discussion help you reframe that? And if not, I'd like to know. So hit me up. I'd love to hear from you guys. You guys are the best. I missed everybody. It's good to be back behind this mic, uh, again. And, uh, I wish the best for all of you have a great week dig into some creativity and know this. I love you guys. I love each and every one of you and I'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers. Thank you.